Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Infrared Retrieval Debate Club, where we go three rounds on topics that we think are hot. I'm joined by Justin Colombo and Terry Cudmore. I'm Kevin Michael Morin, and here we go. This topic now between Kevin and Justin will be identifying the most polarizing athlete in a certain fan base. So that would mean a major city that has multiple sports teams. It can be any any team, any athlete on any of those teams to continue to, to make this as clarified as possible and as detailed in my ability to continue to talk and talk. Okay, so let's go with uh, Justin first. Damn it. Okay. I went back and forth on this a lot with how I wanted to go about this. So I ended up going with my Boston fandom. Um, and I initially landed on one player. I thought about it and I was like, I think I just have my own personal issues with this player that are unresolved, even though I now think that they're great. That player was Roger Clemens. And then the more I thought about it, the more I realized there's kind of an even more polarizing player who uh, recently retired, who I feel like is maybe the most polarizing player in New England sports history. And that person is Tom Brady. Terry's shaking his head. This is very, very good. Here's the thing. I... You have your work cut out for you here. I know, I know. I know, I know. See, but here's the thing, though. This is why, like I said, I was going to go Clemens because I was like, what do you do? Boston great, plays for the Yankees, basically stays in the AL East except for the, you know, hot second he's in Houston. But Brady, to me, I feel like now there's a little bit of like, a, oh, well, like, you know, like, you know, he'll sign like a one day contract to retire as a Patriot, you know, his number will be retired. I'm like, yeah, cool. But there's a lot of stuff with Tom Brady, especially off the field that I feel like not so much tarnishes his rep, but I'm like, there's a lot more questions that I have about this person and about this player. And I think even weirdly, now that he's gone from New England and you were watching Belichick kind of really have to figure it out. To me, Tom Brady's a polarizing player when I look back at the New England Patriots. Because I don't know whether or not him and Bill were the combo, if it was him that was just the GOAT forever and ever and ever, or if my fandom of the New England Patriots will never be the same because I had Tom Brady. Also, I still don't necessarily know how to feel about him going to the Bucks, And I still think about that Super Bowl, and I'm like, I have mixed feelings about this. Because part of me wanted Tom to go out the same way that David Ortiz went out. As a New England Patriot. And I, I feel a little bit cheated because of that. So it, it, it's not so much that it's like, oh, well, you know, ask anybody. Because if you ask anyone in New England, they're like, well, Tom Brady, you know, sits at the right hand of the father. But like, to me, there's just a lot of things that I still think are un- I have unresolved issues with Tom Brady. Okay. <laughs> Should I have um, gone Clemens? Should I have gone Clemens? Well, no, because here's the thing about Clemens. I think the fortunate run that Boston sports has been on since has negated. 2000- 
has negated. I don't think, I think if we didn't do, if and we're all Boston sports fans here, so I'm going to clarify, categorize as all as we here. If we didn't get all of that, I think we would still have that somewhat of an inferiority complex, especially because Clemens won World Series with the Yankees. I think now nobody gives a shit as much because, cool, like we've done all this stuff since then. Like we didn't, I think when Clemens left, it's that whole idea of we the, the city hadn't won anything since the 86 Celtics. You know, they'd never won a Super Bowl. The Sox hadn't won since 19. Like that was like the pitch of our inferiority complex as a sports True. fandom. Well, and I think I, I think even to your point, even within the Red Sox, you can look at the fact that if I mean 2003 it's his own thing, but if 2004 doesn't turn around, and you look at like I mean Schilling in a weird way becomes like stepdad in Clemens's kind of role a little bit where he becomes this mythical kind of person in, you know, game six of, you know, the ALCS. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have these people kind of taking place. You have Manny coming in, you got David Ortiz kind of taking over that role. So I think you're totally right. I think you're, you're really right about that, that that kind of the balm that, you know, kind of heals that. So here's what I want to do. I'd like to hear what, who Kevin picked. And then see how different these options are. And then and then we can kind of <laughs> rule on the whole topic in general. So, Kevin, who is... I also stuck with uh, Boston fandom. Um, Great. And... See, this is why we need to consult with each other before. <laughs> yeah, but mine's actually a good answer. You um, actually... Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, on... Uh, on... Uh, June twenty second at ten fifty six a.m. of this year, I got a text from my buddy that says, "I was so happy to wake up to Marcus Smart being traded, like made my day. He sucks as a player, as a teammate, as a leader. He's garbage." My pick is Marcus Smart for this reason. Uh, dude, there's no question, or I thought there was no question, that dude plays his heart out every single time he's on the court but somehow his decision making has soured the taste of him to so many boston fans that they just practically threw a parade to send him off to memphis whereas on the other side of things if you actually look at what he's been doing how hard he works how great of a community guy he is uh like he was he was a great Celtic, a guy that thought he was going to he was a very good Celtic. Saying great uh Celtic is 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 tough, I think, because there are just so many greats that I don't think I would put Marcus Smart in the same conversation as like Bill Russell and but, Larry Bird, but he was the heartbeat of this team. If he plays his career on like the Pacers, he's a great pacer. Yes. A hundred percent. If the, he plays the, his yeah. career on the Kings he is the king. He is that guy. <laughs> the, he is the Finally. king. Finally. Prob- yeah, yeah. That's probably, that's but, fair. So, so I like, I retorted and I was like, okay, well, that's, I feel like that's horribly wrong. Insane talk. And before you come back and yell at me about how terrible he is, like, he loved playing in Boston. He was filled with heart. He was a good locker room presence. He wasn't always a good locker room presence, but like, I think he's evolved into uh, a good leader. Um, I think the trade ultimately sending him to Memphis was a good one 
because I do think that what what's probably holding this. Well, we don't know. I, I that's why I said probably, but like yeah. it could be a good one, um, because I do think the the leadership aspect has needed to land with Tatum and Brown, and Marcus has always been very vocal about being the leader of the team, and it's fair. He's the most tenured guy. Was the most tenured guy on the team. He was there for nine years, um, but you know I talk about how 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 much of a heartbeat he was, the stuff he does in the Boston community. Uh, and he just comes back with, who cares if he loves Boston? He was a tool, a number four at best, played hero ball with two top 10 players on his team, undermined the coach at every, each and every turn, and was a bad decision waiting to happen at all times. Is this about Grant Williams? <laughs> I was also going to say, your friend saying that Jalen Brown is a top 10 player, and I'm a Jalen Brown fan. That's a pretty yeah, damning. Top, top, ten, top 10 on the Celtics. <laughs> <laughs> But but uh yeah like I it it is so funny I've never I've never talked to anybody about Smart who has been like yeah he's all right everyone's like I love him or I hate him that is why you win this one Kevin okay. and I won't even okay. go into a long preamble okay. about this okay. here's why because okay. okay if you meet someone new and you're like oh you're a Celtics fan I'm a Celtics fan and then you say what do you think of Marcus it's a coin flip. And eat, no reaction would shock you. However, I think if you if you meet a Patriots fan and ask them, well, what do you think of Brady? No matter what, they're going to be like, you, you know, love him for what he did. What he achieved is so incredible. And the fact that we get that as Patriots fans, that like we get to, he was our, he was the NFL's Jordan. Like we have that. No matter what, no matter what he did in Tampa, we have his six rings he's a patriot like we talked a little bit about who would be what yeah great you spent three years in the bucks fine he is a patriot and i agree with you justin about some of the off the field stuff is a little weird but i just think that's probably what you're gonna hear back from 90 percent people is loved him amazing all-time boston athlete wish it may have wish it ended differently and i think if you say what's the most polarizing debate in boston sports belichick versus brady is maybe that yeah that probably is. so i'm gonna give kevin three points oh dear and i'm gonna give you one justin because of the the fact that belichick brady is probably one of the more polarizing debates however again because of the assignment the the death threats i'm about to be dm'd i want to say two things none of them are about my answer one, I actually, for a second, Kevin, I thought you were going to say Brad Stevens. And I was like, ooh, that's really, really interesting. Good take. I want to have a conversation about Marcus. Because there are there are three people in this world I would take a bullet for. One is my wife, one is my dog, and one is Marcus Smart. I love Marcus Smart. But... I'm feeling a little cheated here. But... I don't want to owe Justin that. It makes <laughs> me, like... Okay. Now, and I'll say this. Maybe this is my like separation from Boston sports. I think that if you think that Marcus Smart was a bum and had poor, like, I'm like, you are missing the rest of the league in what you could have in a player like Marcus. But I think you also don't understand Boston sports figures. Like to me, Marcus Smart is like a Tim Wakefield and like a Kevin Millar. Are they the best at what they do? In the league, no, but they're like our guys. Like they're gritty dudes. Like they're Gabe Kaplers. 
right? And I know I'm not really selling them on this, but they're like, I don't know. Like Marcus like, won Defensive Player of the Year. You see, well, see, but here's the thing, though. Within that, and also Defensive Player of the Year, let's talk about Jaron Jackson Jr. for a second. Like Defensive Player of the Year is just not what it was. But, but it, no, but Marcus, that's, you're missing my point. You're missing my, my point is like you, when you compare – Smart to like a Mar oh, or a Wakefield, sure, sure, sure. like those guys. They're oh, well, Wakefielding made an All Star team, or like so. a Derek Lowe. Like maybe, maybe I'm going too low. Derek, Derek Lowe, Lowe almost won the Cy Young. <laughs> no, 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 no. But this is, but this is what I'm saying though. Is that like, like in the in the in Boston fandom, there is a like it's not Monday morning quarterback or like fair wear, fair weathering, but like there is a like all or nothing. It, it, there are some guys who get leeway, but there is an all or nothing kind of vibe. What you're, just, what you're, hold on, just real quick. What you want to describe, I, a perfect example, is the difference between how Boston fans treated Trot Nixon versus JD Drew. That's exactly what you're 100%. 100%. Trot Nixon, fine, great, but he's that guy. Dirt dog. JD Drew, dude, made a ton more dog, money. Dude. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're a one, like a 100. Jason Veritek, solid guy. He's the captain, he's our dude. Like, first of all, uh, hashtag hire him as coach, uh, the coach, um, <laughs> the coach. Oh, I the want, coach. I, dude, I want Veritek as manager. So well, that's, dude. that's what I'm saying to you is yeah. the coach. Is the you called? Coach. Right. It's a manager. <laughs> oh no. Okay. How dare you? <laughs> how dare you? I, it's like, it's, it's infuriating to me that like, I, and I just, I just, I don't, I don't get it. Like, Marcus is not, like, Yoannis Cespedes on the Mets. Like, he's not, like, he's not, like, Jason Bay on the Red Sox, where we're like, oh, get him out of here. I'm just, like, that's just, to me, that is just such, I don't, it's, 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 uh, what's the so word people I'm looking look, for? People look at what he did. Polarizing? Is that <laughs> no, the word you're looking no, for? No, 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 no. It's, 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 um, it's, uh, it's, um, bullshit i just like i just i i don't like i i i i completely disagree with your friend in every single aspect of it oh because so there, do is, I. there is something of, no look you guys I, I am fully admitting defeat i just want to talk about marcus smart that's it that's all i want we do have a time constraint <laughs> is the only thing i would say all i'm saying is that is that is this there is a there's a certain level of Boston fandom that does this, and it is the one thing about Boston fandom that grinds my gears. Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart was a Celtic and was a was a Boston athlete and will be an iconic Boston athlete. And I think to celebrate him leaving against his own accord, I think it's just such a weird move. Because I'm like I agree that, with you. like he was a grinder. But, but that's I agree with you, but that's why Kevin won? Oh no, I'm well aware. Okay. Oh, okay, well all right, all right. okay, okay. I just, okay. Once again, I just want to talk about Marcus. I'm gonna take away your point. <laughs> <laughs> hold on, hold on. Time out, time out. Are you giving it to Kevin or are you keeping it for yourself? Am I allowed to do that? I don't think. I don't know. It's a that. Team. I wouldn't <laughs> give me that power. I don't know. You can the, take yes. away a point. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but you can take away that point. No, no. All right. So Kevin is three. You have one. Bam. All right. Or we were doing a worst contract, or was it best or worst? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Best worst. Uh, mine's a worst. Best worst favorite. Oh, best okay. worst favorite. Uh. Um. All right. So this is not going to mean anything to anyone, but, but we are recording this on July third, which is two days after 
um, every Mets fan's favorite day where we talk about uh, a baseball contract, whether or not it is good a contract or a bad contract. Um, but it's Bobby Bonilla Day two days ago, which is very fun. And with that, to celebrate um, the holiday for 29 um, other MLB franchises, we're going to be talking about the best and the or the worst contract ever given out. Uh, I will be arbiter for this, and uh, let's go to let's go to Terry Cudmore for a shot. All right. So this is a choice that is a worst contract that is the best because I absolutely love that this occurred, and a lot of this is because of what happened in two thousand. Six, I believe it is, or 2005. It was after Johnny Damon's last season with the Red Sox and he signed with the Yankees. And I was pissed off then, and I was pissed off as he continued to have a pretty solid career with the Yankees, which a lot of people didn't expect. But Johnny Damon was really good for the Yankees, and it was a good signing by the Yankees. Fast forward to the career of one Jacoby Ellsbury, or Tacoby Bellsbury, as he was called at some point, because remember, he stole that base in the World Series that got everyone free tacos. Um, really solid player for the Boston Red Sox. Played seven seasons, stole 241 bases, had a 789 OPS. He made one all-star team in that 2011 kind of weird year where he was like utterly incredible. He had 32 home runs in that year. He had 15 total in his other six seasons as a Red Sox. He had a 928 OPS. He came in third in the MVP. Just awesome. And he won two World Series on the Red Sox. He averaged a little over three war a year. He was a above average defensive center fielder. So just a very solid player. When he left though, I will say the one kind of weird thing was he was a 30 year old free agent, which is obviously a little bit older than most free agent. When then you want to spend big on a free agent, you hope to get at least a little bit of your prime. So the Yankees give him a seven year, $153 million deal with an eighth year option for another $16 million. So this is going to be his age 30 to 36 year old seasons, possibly his 37 year old seasons. Well, Starts off okay. He's got 3.6 war his first season. He has 16 home runs, 39 steals, 747 OPS. Pretty standard output. I mean, it was pretty high in the in the home runs compared to the rest of his career outside of that 2011 outlier. But, you know, pretty good player. Three Again, 3.6 war. He's only worth 6.3 total war over the next three seasons. So 2015, 2016, 2017. 2018, he misses the entire season because of a hip injury. 2019, he misses the entire season because of foot and shoulder injuries. And in 2020, they just released him from his contract. So they, the Yankees paid him nearly $70 million to not play an inning from 2018 on. Over the course of the entire contract, they essentially spent $15.5 million per each war that Jacoby Ellsbury was worth in his time in the Yankees. That is a disaster. And out of all the mess mistakes the Yankees have done in terms of giving out massive contracts to me this is the worst and therefore my favorite uh, Ellsbury jeez Kevin Flores I was gonna say did you did you pick Ellsbury too no god no um so pardon me <laughs> um well so I, I I don't know I gave I wanted to go with like Ilya Kovalchuk in 2010, the New Jersey Devils signed him to a 15-year, $100 million contract. And it was – I'm probably wrong with this, but I've noticed it a lot more often these days. Uh, it was sort of like the start of these absurd 
length deals being handed out uh, across multiple sports. Like Tatis Jr. getting 14 years, Trout getting 13 years. Like these are insane uh, amounts of time. And over that 15-year uh, contract for Kobolchuk, he actually only played for the Devils for four of them. So that's insane. But it was a way for the Devils to curb uh, the cap hit. So they spread that out over 15 years, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, this hundred million dollars is less than a million per year cap hit is is essentially what they were looking at there. Um, I don't know how that all panned, panned out because I took a hard left turn um, because uh, one year and two days ago, I published an article on uh, a former publication that will not be named um, talking about Bobby Bonilla's deferred contract, which is absolutely my favorite contract of all time. But not just because the... Mets are paying just under $1.2 million a year through 2035 to Mr. Bonilla. It's because they got hoodwinked by Bernie Madoff. It's 100% that instead of paying off the remaining $5.9 million of Bonilla's contract in 2000, they deferred it out to uh, 2011 where they would start to pay Bonilla for 25 years, 1.1 something million, just under 1.2 million every year, which amounts to, if you can do math, much more than the $5.9 million that they could have just bought him out with. They were, they were expecting a Madoff account that was going to yield double-digit returns, and uh, guess what? Didn't happen. And so the rest of Major League Baseball, every July 1st, has the opportunity to look Justin Colombo in the eye and laugh. I feel like baiting the arbiter isn't the best strategy for these things, but that's just me. Yeah. Okay, here's the thing. Here's. Oh, you have thoughts? I have a few thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Here's the thing. Baiting the arbiter is actually good because I have a lot of feelings about this. Um, I... The Bonilla contract is bad, but the Bonilla contract is actually, I think, one of the best player moves ever. Um, plus, I also think it's very funny that people point and laugh at the Mets because in 2030, we're going to start getting uh, uh, Mookie Betts Day, where the Dodgers will have to pay him 8 to $11 million every single year when he's like, until he's 50. So, Bobby Bonilla, trendsetter. Um, There's a Manny Ramirez thing. Like the Red Sox are still Manny paying Manny Ramirez, basically Ma the same thing as okay, Bonilla. Yeah. To yeah. be clear, Manny Ramirez, I believe, gets two million dollars yeah. yeah. from the Red Sox every single year, and will. I'm I'm pulling up the number right now because it is wild. Um, bum, 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 bum. he gets paid two million dollars and will. Oh, just up until 2026. So not terrible, but he hasn't, he hasn't played quite some time. Um, really what this comes down to for me is value. And I think that that's an interesting way to look at this. So basically Bonilla gets paid $25 million. He did give the Mets 8.3 war, which is not 
terrible, but in terms of what you look at, how much one war costs, right? In 2020, one win above a replacement player costs a team on average $8.5 million. So, but he's not doing too terrible. Meanwhile, the Yankees are paying <laughs> so much money for Jacoby Ellsbury. To me, I mean, I give, as much as I begrudgingly do not want to do this, I have to give the points to Terry. So one point to Terry. Um, one point to Kevin, though, because the Kovacek contract is so bad. So bad, especially considering he like retires t- three years out into it and then comes back and plays again and then gets cut. Um, so one point to you, Kevin. But then one point back to Terry, just to give him the edge in this. Because um, the Ellsbury contract is is so bad. Wait, which did Kevin pick? I thought it was Benia. Yeah, but I just oh, like that. I oh, like that he oh, mentioned oh, Kovacek. Oh, 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 okay, 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 okay. I just, I appreciate, I appreciate the nod. Okay. Um, but I, I get so Terry, you get two points. It's Kevin, you get one. Um, just because Terry, I think, just the way you lay it out, you're totally correct. I also, I didn't actually make the Damon to Ellsbury connection, which I think is actually, is like it. I don't know. The Ellsbury is just so juicy and so sweet. Is it because it's like Ellsbury didn't play of, for the Oakland A's. Are you, are you talking about okay. I'm so mad Mr. A, Johnny Damon How dare you um, So what is that, Terry, you're at five? No, no I've only done one Alright, yeah. so just so we recap The scores are, Kevin, you have four points Terry, you have, I have two. two points And I have one Correct Please, senor. Okay. Comeback starts now Oh, and then Kevin's doing this one, right? So that yeah. means I need three, two to win, three to and sorry, I, two to. Ten, I need to pull out all the stops. I'm pretty confident about this one. Our next topic is uh, a good one um, that I just didn't know what to do, so I opted to be the arbiter of this one. Uh, but what is one thing that's changed in sports that you would make go back? Justin, go. Okay. So I, th- I thought about a m- couple different ways I can go about this. Um, I'm going with the one that I feel the most strongly about. I feel like is polarizing. We all learned definition of that word, um, especially me. I'm going to go simply with if I could make one change and revert something back to the way that it was, I get rid of the universal DH in baseball. I am a big fan of hitters also pitching. Um, and pitchers hitting, I suppose. Um, but I just feel like there is a strategy in the game and using that 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 roster spot to play situational baseball that is just missing from the game. And I think if you look at the, the way that DHs exist now in the MLB, they're not more exciting. I think if anything, it's here's a guy who actually kind of only has value on one side of the ball. I say this as a Mets fan watching Daniel Vogelback just just look at pitches and your job, sir, is to is to hit the ball, sir. So just do it. Like just do it. I also I miss I miss watching, you know, I miss watching National League teams when they go into the AL like have a little bit of an advantage. Or watching the days of David Ortiz having to like figure out how to use a first baseman's mitt. 
when they play in the World Series and they're in a National League ballpark. Yeah, but he made a hell of a throw from first to third. Like, I live for that. Like, I think that's great. To me, having a DH, it, it doesn't add anything to the game. For me, it actually kind of mutes and kind of glosses over a part of the game that I think is beautiful in that there's strategy and bunting was a thing and no one bunts anymore because why would you bunt when you have a behemoth of a man whose job it is to just swing the bat as hard as he can? It's, it's, it, it, to me, you took the bat out of a player's hand and you gave it to one guy who doesn't put on a glove. And to me, that sucks. I don't like that. So question I have no. uh, kind of a follow up to that is um, obviously the 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 point was you would make go back to the way it was. Would you abolish the DH entirely? No, or go back or you want it still AL versus NL? Yes, I think that having I think that having the DH in one league makes them it made interleague play super interesting. And now that we have the rule that every team plays every team, I think that's super fun. It breaks up the monotony of the game. There are 162 baseball games. And if you're telling me that for 40 of them, I have to watch kind of like a weird little thing happen that is like a relic of the old way that this game was played, light me up with it. I think it breaks up the monotony. It adds a little bit of spice to it. You know, I, I think that it it's something, it's, it's, it's the only part of the, the game now where you could have had an advantage and you can play situationally. And that's now gone from the game, especially now with the pitch clock, just situational baseball. It just, it, it doesn't, it, it's not the same chess game. It was it's checkers now. And, and the excitement that you get when like, I don't know, Madison Baumgartner open opening day hits two dingers. Dude, not even clock. that. Like okay. Mike Hampton putting the ball out of the park. Like, Dude, let's talk about my favorite baseball clip of all time is Bartolo Colon hitting the home run at Petco Park because you hear a grown man in Gary Cohen lose his mind as he's making the call. And you hear, I don't know if it's Keith Hernandez or it's Ron Darling, just explode with childlike joy because you're watching. It's like it's watching something that shouldn't happen. Like it's 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 a weird little thing. It's funky. Like it's it's like watching like it's like watching Boban shoot threes. It's not supposed to happen, but it's incredible. It's amazing. Baseball doesn't have that kind of like magic anymore. It's gone mm. purely just to like you throw as hard as you can, you hit it as far as you can. And I I miss that that tangible function. So kind of like the NFL versions, like when a lineman picks up the ball and starts running. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Like a big man touchdown, yeah. Vin, a Vince Wilfork interception. That's exactly what I was thinking. You yeah. could get that. Like it's, it just, and in, but instead now it's just like, Oh, your job is to block. You go, cool, man. You you also forgot what I used to like about it is in the postseason when the pitchers needed to wear the um, warm up jacket on the base path. Dude, so good, so <laughs> good. I was like that. Yeah. You add merch um, to it. Come on, God! I just think of Tom Glavin whenever I have that in my head. Um, that is true. We would never get that. You wouldn't have that commercial if. Yeah. Yeah. But you also wouldn't get that incredible scene in Rookie of the Year. True. You know, you can't make that in any kids' movies. 
Patriots got a big butt. You can't have that. Mm-hmm. All right, Terry. What's, uh, what's so mine is something I feel very, very strongly about. I understand why the decision was made. It's all based on why every decision is made in sports is about money. But I would have the NFL draft go back to just being a Saturday and Sunday event. I hate the round one on Thursday, two and three on Friday, four through seven on Saturday. I don't like that. And what I will say, to my credit, is that actually is better for my lifestyle. As a parent, the way it's set up now is better for me. It's easier for me to follow it now. But just like how I'm not the type that's going to bitch and moan about, oh, I had to pay student loans, so you have to. I'm not going to do that. For future generations, I think that weekend is such a key. People in their 20s, NFL fans, it's such a it's such a great excuse to get together. And I remember when I used to live in New York City, my friends would come up every year for the draft, come up on Friday, you know, hit the town Friday night. Saturday, round one, or yeah, round one doesn't start till I think it didn't start till like noon, maybe one. There you go. Perfect. You go out, you roll out of bed, you get a breakfast sandwich, everybody comes back, you watch the first three rounds. I think it was just the first three or on Saturday. Yeah, I think it was one through three on Saturday and then four through seven on Sunday. Yeah. Leads right into going out Saturday night. Sunday, it started a little bit earlier. You finish it off. It was just a great weekend. And now it's just, it's too diluted. It's too broken up. The whole like award show element of the first round, not into that. I, I love it being a two-day event on a Saturday and Sunday. You know, it's it's like what people love, what golf fans love about like the Masters. It's like it, your Saturday and Sunday is spoken for. This is And granted, the Sunday one, four through seven is only a little bit for like hardcore draft people. But still, that is what I would most want to see change. Go back to the two-day event. Yeah, I hate the first round. I hate the first round. I think uh, it is a three-hour event that could be one hour. Uh, they really play up the airtime. I mean, the NFL just cares about money at this point. Like, they're they're only trying. They're trying. Your point, like an award show, an award show ceremony is essentially what it what it has become. And. And not to be crass, I don't really want to say this, so maybe we'll cut it out, but like it essentially doing it is a bit of like draft fan blue balls. Like you have the first round and you get all stoked for it and then it's just that. And then it's like, okay, now we got to go to bed. And now you got to wait 24 hours for rounds two. Like you just get, you waited all year to make your first round or all off season to make that first round pick. And you're so excited. All right, my team's building for the future. Here we go. All right, one yeah. pick All right now. I wait 24 hours for the next one. Especially the worst part is being a Pats fan. It's like you're always straight out, and then you don't even make the pick. See, I, I think I think to make your point firmer, I think in a way, the fact that you're like no one cares about four through seven. You could not televise that part, and I wouldn't care. That part could take a month, and you could slow draft it. I I can't be bothered. I it just it doesn't matter to me. But also, from like a media side of this, like look at this last year's draft. Like you get to a point where you're 15, 16, 17 and it's 10 PM. And I'm like, man, I don't care. I really could not be bothered here. I think that you're totally right, Terry. I even think if you just go first two rounds on Saturday night, light it up, have some fun with it, get those storylines going. You could literally do three through seven on Sunday and I can't be bothered. I'm just like, great, cool, fantastic. 
at a certain point, the draft doesn't matter. Stop trying to make the first round feel super spicy and fun. Throw it in with like, you know, first and second, make it Saturday night. You could literally rule that. Instead, you're just whiffing on it. I think that's, I think there's a good answer, Terry. Yeah, um, I completely agree. Um, which is why Terry's going to get two points. God damn it. This one. Um, and uh, Justin, I, I do have to say, though, I, I, I like the DH. Uh, you're definitely getting a point for it. But DH um, was a good call. I was when he said that, I was like, mm, stop trying to make me problem. feel better about this. I'm having a bad day. Well, the way that your other <laughs> takes went, I thought it was going to be something like we should play on the moon or something like that. The entirety of the MLB season is yeah. is MLB in London. Um, oh my god! My god. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, oh, cool! That's a great. That's a great enthusiasm for how this round went. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Well, I don't know. No, All right. no, that that was very much like uh, I thought I had something to say, and I I didn't. Uh, yeah, two points to Terry, one point to Justin. Damn it. I don't know where that. So leads this us, but, uh, this this leaves us as a draw. That means you and I each had four. Oh. Okay. That's fine. I'll take it. Here I am, just off the podium. Just living <laughs> my sad little life. One of these days when I start coming in with, like, soccer takes that nobody cares about, uh, I'll, I'll be sitting in the basement as well. Actually, I had a I had a bad, uh, uh, bad go of it last time around, so it feels good to move up the ladder a little. I'm going to be completely honest with you. You said soccer take, and I tuned out. <laughs> and that's why I'm on the bottom, baby. <laughs> the microphone falls. I was gonna say this microphone falls Nightmare. apart. Nightmare. <laughs> well, Justin tries to put himself back together. We'd like to thank you for listening. Join us next time for when I drag some more of my friends. Justin learns another word, and Terry hits us with a few you knows. This has been the IRDC. Thanks again for listening.